Caffeine and Legends is up to win USA Today's 10 Best Award for the 2020 Best Food Subscription Box. There's a link in the description. You can go ahead and click that and vote for them. You can vote once every 24 hours. I was a customer of Caffeine and Legends long before they became our sponsor. I even bought a box for each of my co-hosts for Christmas and they all loved it. As a religious coffee and tea drinker, I can honestly say this is the best service out there. As of right now, they're number two, so if you can vote for them today, that'd be great. If you are interested in supporting the podcast and purchasing the Legendary Box, you can also find that link in the description. And don't forget to use the code FBOM10 for an additional 10% off. Thanks, and on to the podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast for the month of March, where we are spotlighting uh, female authors. Uh, today we have with us the whole crew. Uh, we have Dan. Hello. Peter. Hello. The lovely Rachel. Hello. And the lovely Katie. Hello. I don't appreciate being the only two lovelies. I think yeah, Dan and Nick and Peter are all lovely. I was going to say, why am I not lovely, Nick? I'm irascible. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Nick's incorrigible. Katie, our first name is now lovely and our last name is uh, whatever. <laughs> yes, we don't get I'm lovely, Katie, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your last, your last names, names are now Katie and Rachel. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's legal, too. Yeah, legally blinding. Legally oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a guy in here. He, like, took Ew. the court order and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. His name's Craig. Craig. Uh, <laughs> uh, down. Uh, How are right. you guys? Um, yeah, we're doing good. It's snowing. I'm confused. Oh, I don't like it. It's snowing out here, too. I got out of bed 30 minutes ago. It stopped <laughs> snowing finally here. <laughs> you know, we're recovering from our, our, last, our last late night episode with a somewhat early morning episode, at least for Peter. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. If I told you I also got out of bed 30 minutes ago, it means a much different thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And uh, and when when Dan says we had a late night episode for me, that was just the afternoon. Right, <laughs> it was late for me. Like you had dinner afterwards. Like that's right. <laughs> I think it was like nine p.m. for me and Nick. Was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Was that when we started? Yeah. yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Ooh, we're getting them a peek behind the podcast here, guys. What? That we live in different time zones, so we can't <laughs> choose a perfect time for everyone. We couldn't do that even if we all live next door to each other. Yeah. It's always a compromise. But think of all the fun parties we'd have. We could all just like sit in a room together and ignore each other. Okay, that does sound pretty cool. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't think Nick could do that. He's the one extrovert of all of us. That's right. He'd be trying to get us to talk. <laughs> I'd be putting you guys on my gram. <laughs> your your gr gram? Yeah, my Instagram. Oh, good oh. lord. Do you think I met my grandma? I, I, I did. I thought that you were going to have your grandma come over and like bake cookies or something. <laughs> I don't know, regular grandma stuff. Can I have cookies? Are we going to knit together? Now I want cookies. 
Well, all right, Nick, call your grandma. Yep. Hello. Grandma. Speaking of lovely ladies, we need cookies. Stat. Oh my god. <laughs> I need 50 cc's of milk to go with it. <laughs> uh, that was unintentionally uh, bad. <laughs> Speaking of ladies, we need cookies. <gasps> That's not what I meant. I was going to try oh, to segue into the yeah, actual the podcast. <laughs> the actual topic, which is women authors. Yes. yes. Mm. Sorry, I just noticed that. I was like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we uh, we picked this one because uh, March is uh, Women's Month. Is that right? I is think. It? Lady, lady, I don't know. I don't actually. I, I think this was my idea. And I it's didn't Women's know. History Month, which is when most schools are like, hey, let's learn about women's suffrage. And Dutch. I never, my school never did that. <laughs> I don't remember doing that as a kid. Well, my wife is a school teacher, so she suggested this one. And uh, I went and looked back at our past selections. And we're at about uh, uh, in my very unscientific survey of just looking at what we've done. There's about 30 percent of our reviews have been uh, with people I could easily identify as female authors, uh, at least by looking at their names, uh, which is probably not great indicator. But that's what I did. So we're going to bump that number up this month. So I'm just going to go ahead and blame Rachel for doing Garth Nix every month. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it three times. I'm just our... messing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I don't no, break down our statistics per reviewer, but uh, yeah. I, I've well, read one. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I imagine that there is some... Uh, underrepresentation of women in the industry to some degree. I don't know for a fact if that's true, but in the, in fantasy genre, I would imagine. Oh, it definitely is. Like I, I read this whole article and I've like talked to different female authors, like on Twitter and whatever. Oh, I was and... hoping someone would be an expert on this. So I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Take the reins. Um, so apparently whenever people see like a female author's name, like on a fantasy book or really any book, they, automatically associated with young adult fiction mm. which is why most epic um, fantasy novelists that are female typically go by either using a pseudonym that you know sounds male or by using their initials like nk jemison um there's well, a whole bunch more specifically did uh, that for that reason yeah yeah v schwab yes exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of these female authors are doing that so that you don't think, oh, it's a female. What does, you know, what does she know? Let's go read some George R.R. R. Martin. Very manly name. George. Very strong. Manly name. <laughs> name with testicles. Whoa. <laughs> finish well, you finished several. Can't finish the few, the last few books. Yeah, the important one. <laughs> oh no, there's two coming out, I guess. But we aren't talking about George. So no. I do think that that That's is right. starting to shift based on some things I've seen on the internet of like the authors that are getting promoted on uh, on just all sorts of different fantasy groups, which is a good thing I think because there's especially with the book I read this month, I noticed that there is like certainly a uh, like a female perspective that 
like when I read this book, I saw things a lot differently than I typically do in fantasy. How's that? Well, I'll get into it during my review more, I think. Oh, OK. This this particular book that you're yeah, the book I, I read, I thought I, I just thought like the way they viewed things was just really like actually genuinely different from anything I've seen before. Yeah, I 100% agree. My, my book this week, too, is way outside what I would normally read. And I really liked it, but I guess we'll talk about that more later. Um, Can we take uh, a hot second and talk about Little Women? Is that okay? Is that appropriate? I, I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> I mean, I saw the old, an old version of it. You, you can talk about it. I don't know anything. No, I don't go. I don't leave my house. <laughs> yeah, not all of us can afford to go to the movies house. every weekend, Nick. <laughs> well, I was trying to set a goal this year of going to see the movie like every weekend, pretty much. Good so, lord. And uh, but like, Little Women was so fucking good. Like, I know it's like the 10th time they've done it or whatever, but it was so I've heard it was very good. good. I heard it was very good, but I have no idea what the plot is. I didn't know anything about it going into it, but it's it's basically just like during the Civil War era. There are these four sisters and they're they're very small. (laughs) 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 Their father calls them his little women, but Mm -hmm. um, but they, they basically it just follows their story, I guess. It does flashbacks to them as kids and then modern day. And the sort of main character, if there was one, would be the sister who is um, a writer. So one of them is like an actress and a painter. And um, one of them is uh, dead. <laughs> well, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but then one of them is a writer. And so she's trying to go out and like make a living writing and um she's initially like selling short stories uh under like a false name because people wouldn't buy it but she eventually writes a story based on her life with her sisters called little women and that's sort of the whole overarching plot without is is that book and at the end you watch like she's sitting there in the room watching the book get hand bound and stitched together and everything getting ready for to be sold and it's just like a wicked good scene in an incredible movie like it's actually one of every single day i'm tempted to make it my number one movie of the year right now it's barely at number two right behind 1917 i really wanted Mm. to see that one they're both so good but i I honestly have a hard time choosing between them they're both so fucking it's interesting in 1917 almost entirely male in its well i mean it's it's about world war ii it's just very no world war one oh you're world right one yeah you're right my bad i didn't um, remember world war ii being in 1917 you're right. now, now i want it to be about <laughs> world war ii but someone got sent 30 years back <laughs> in time they would just massacre crazy. people because they have much better weapons <sighs> well I, I guess i mean like the, the machine guns from the era were you had to be not mounted. What's the right word? They had to be like planted in place and they were serviced by two or three people. And yeah. so if you just send one person back, I mean, they have a nicer, maybe more reliable rifle. I don't know if they get to massacre everybody. Yeah, I guess because World War II is really when like uh, planes were first mass produced. Yeah, it was air. They power. had dog fighting in World War One too, but mm-hmm. not the like, not not to the scale like mass produced not to the scale of uh, World War Two though. Yeah, I think the dogfighters are more valuable, too. If you lost one, it was a bigger 
<laughs> Peter, story. write the story, please. Anyhow, which, which story? The uh, time traveler that goes back to World War One. <laughs> so, women in science fiction and fantasy. Well, so yeah, I was gonna say really, just really quick, if 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 uh, if you want to watch something this month, uh, definitely go watch Little Women. It's really really good. But back to the main topic. Yeah. Did it have a female director? Director? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. She's pretty famous too. Um, for why am I forgetting her name right now? Shit. <laughs> Activate the internet. Yeah, I, I just I don't know why. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, there you go. She's incredible. I've heard that name. And uh, it, it's just like a great cast. It's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, Quit I was swearing, gonna, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through my um, uh, Goodreads to look at all the books I read. I was like, oh yeah. Uh, there's like three p- women that don't go by a pseudonym that I've read. <laughs> that don't go by a pseudonym. So like, who are they? Like, uh, Samantha Shannon, uh, Allison Goodman, Lee Bardugo. Um, I was just going through these. Are they writing young adult? I wonder if like... Uh, Lee or, Bardugo did write. Uh, she wrote the Six of Crows series, but she also wrote Nine, Nine, Ninth House, which is a um, adult uh, fantasy. But I haven't read that one. Hmm. I wouldn't really call Six of Crows young adult, would you? Uh, just because the cast is like sixteen, uh, and they're in. Mm, okay. Yeah, I read it, it. There is some young adult tropes, and the uh, the cast of the age of the the specific age of the cast makes me think young adult. I really like that series. Yeah. I would like to point out that out of all of these, I have only reviewed two books by males yes. that we've done. I've only done two. Lady Ruin and The Dinosaur Lords. <laughs> the Dinosaur Lords. Yeah, that was, episode two was our, our only entirely uh, male uh, episode and that was. Authors. And that was the Lip RPG. RPG episode. RPG episode. Well, yeah. maybe I should do female RPG writers next time. Yeah, I asked um, our pre- pre- uh, slash progression, progressive progression fantasy uh, to get like female authors, and did uh, I got a lot of manga? <laughs> do you guys know? anything else sort of interesting about about this like because I, I do know like fantasy rpgs a lot of these things were sort of like a boys club for a long time and uh, i don't know if there's like any interesting historical maybe peter might i mean some stuff do you mean like the hobby of uh like role-playing games that kind of stuff yeah yeah in you addition mean tabletop to... in particular yeah <laughs> i mean that's kind of a myth that is it that women weren't around. I mean, they, the, I think that really goes back to the, what became of the sort of local scenes that oftentimes they were held in places that were sort of like male strongholds, uh, you know, the comic book shop, the gaming store that were places that became unwelcoming to female gamers. But uh, I mean, in the creation of D and D even, I feel like there are female authors almost right from the beginning um and certainly some some really great rpgs have been put out uh by by female game creators that that last is absolutely true i mean the one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is jenna moran who's uh 
written Nobilis and uh, Glitch is coming out very soon. And what's the other one? Uh, Chubo's Miraculous Wish Granting Engine, um, which uh, while they're not actually games that fit my taste, they are um, they are marvelous works of writing. Um, Mm-hmm. And 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 she is a tremendous, maybe tremendous is the wrong word, but she, I just she's a, a an amazing presence in the RPG scene right now, and I'm glad she's around. And she's far from the only one; she's just the one that first comes to mind. Hmm. Yeah, I did some statistics of my the books that I did la- read the last uh, for the past three years. Um, for 2018, 2019, and 2020. And then I was like, oh, in 2019, I read 92% male. Mm. Oh my goodness. That is an accurate representation of the global distribution of people. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I read 57 books. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the problem comes out of the fact that the the sort of the classics, right, uh, tend to be almost uh, weeded out of of female authors. Like you'll hear about Ursula K. Le Guin, but a lot of times if you go into spaces like our fantasy or uh, the Goodreads places, if you're if you're like, hey, I want to get into fantasy, what are the suggestions? It's you know you hear about George R. R. Martin and Tolkien and Brand Sanderson and uh, and then the list kind of stops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's just a huge breadth of uh, women and female authors out there um, that, that uh, you know, are, are great. Like, uh, I, I don't like them, but the Dragon Riders of Pern books are, I feel like, easily in the in the sort of classics uh, oh, level. And Ursula Kayla Gwen is, is great. And yeah, Mercedes, right? Yeah, that, yeah, the Dragon Rider books were Anne McCaffrey. Um, she also has a, a sci-fi trilogy that I really like called Freedom's Landing is the first book. Uh, Mercedes Lackey has written fantasy forever and ever. <laughs> um, and I have some of those that I am just inordinately fond of that I, I read as a, as a kid and they will forever hold a, a dear place in my heart. Um, uh, yeah, for me, yeah. like Cin- uh, Cinda Williams-Chima. She yeah, yeah, she's got a few different series that are all kind of around the same world, right? Uh, yeah. The, well, I don't know if they're the same world, but she has the Air series, uh, uh, the Demon King Cycle, I think is the name of the other series, and there's a new one that I haven't read. Hmm. I love Lois McMaster Bujold. Oh, uh, yeah. Her sci-fi and fantasy stories are like some of my favorites. Oh, uh, Connie Willis. Uh, she wrote um, say, to, to say nothing of the dog. It's a uh, like it's a sci-fi uh, time travel uh, shenanigans. It's great. Well, I'd like to give another shout out to Nora Roberts, who wrote the series of year one that I super loved and I raved about it before. <laughs> Katie will not stop on year one. I love yeah. it. Oh, uh, I forgot. Uh, Tamora Pierce. She wrote fantastic uh literature oh you know uh, so tanith lee wrote um well she's written a bunch of things but the one that i really love is a, kind of a series of uh very mythic short stories or novellas 
Call, I think it's they're collected in a book called Tales from the Flat Earth. <laughs> mm, um, a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe a little more controversial today then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, R. Slash Fantasy actually has a um, what is it? It's like a, a flow chart for women authors if you want to get into the fantasy. Ooh. I highly suggest uh, like modern fantasy authors uh, like Mary Robinette Cole. I love everything she's ever written. Um, you know, she's she hosts the the writing excuses podcast with Brandon Sanderson. And I feel like they are easily peers in my estimation of two people who are writing just like fantastic books. It's just, a, you know, she writes more constrained i guess like the because her uh page numbers are are reasonable <laughs> well, well it, not reasonable yeah well yeah. i think the only tome that i've read by a female author is uh the priory of the orange tree oh oh yeah by uh Samantha i would say Shannon. i would say uh the last few harry potter books probably count as tomes yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I forgot how long they were because I listened to the audiobook. <laughs> uh, I also, uh, I forget that I also own them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in a box for a few decades. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, shall we uh, dive in? I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about some books. Who wants to go first? I will. Take so. Uh, I read His Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik, which uh, Dan has also done another book by Naomi Novik. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, Spinning Silver? Spinning yes. Silver, yeah. Love okay. it. And, and my roommate read Uprooted and she re- loved it. So I was like, oh, this is a cool author. Let me, and I found, found it in a used bookstore. So I was like, this looks cool. I also read the first two words on the back of the cover, and the first two words were Aerial Combat. <laughs> And I was very intrigued. Um, so this story is basically alt history of the Nepo- Napoleonic Wars, but with dragons. And as we all know, you just put dragons into things and you make everything 100% more awesome. Am, am, I, am I correct? You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Uh, especially when they're smart dragons and they can... Um, they're very intelligent and they can talk and that's always fun when they have a personality. <laughs> uh, this is the first book in the Tam- Tamira uh, trilogy. I'm sorry. It's French, <laughs> uh, which stars Captain Will Lawrence, a Navy, a Navy captain who uh, captures this French ship and discovers there's a dragon egg on board. And Oh no, the dragon is hatching. Somebody's going to be its writer. And it turns out that the per- the person who is going to be its writer is Will Lawrence. They, and out- does it uh, bond with whoever it sees first? No, it's more as like it gets it picks its writer. It's whoever harnesses it, and the dragon ab- agrees to be harnessed by that person. Ah, yeah. Um, some dragons are there's a range of intelligence dragons. Some, uh, some act like toddlers. Others are very smart. Uh, Tamara is one of the uh, very smart ones, and Will likes to read to him every night, and it's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, so out of duty, Will gives up his career in the Navy and joins the Aerial Corps to fight the French. (laughs) 
and the story is mostly um follows will and his interactions with mira and learning how to be dragon and writer for 75 percent of the story and the last 25 percent is oh god the french are here let's go fight them <laughs> and it's really fun and i love the watching the bonding between uh lawrence and Mary. I guess pronounce that wrong, wrong all the time. I apologize. And uh, my dear, and it's still breaks my heart because it's like uh, the pure, the pure interactions between them is great. <laughs> they just have a really good chemistry. Uh, you can see it that like. they actually really care about each other, and the author's uh, descriptions about how they interact and how Will spends like half of his money to go buy gold chains so uh, Tamara uh, feels more comfortable because he wants because uh, he wants all like a horde of gold to be a pure a true dragon and hmm. yeah the only uh, problem that I would say it's not really a problem it's for the reader it's most of it's like dialogue and character interactions there's not a lot of action to the very end and so that might cause a little issues for people who want action all the time so you're saying that the the dragon has like expectations about what being a dragon is is there like dragon society uh yeah they uh when they get there there's uh there's like a dragon training area where uh the corpsmen are chosen to be uh, a aerial corps uh officer when they're seven years old and they start that's when they start the training (laughs) so go ahead Um, is this is this lust for gold uh instinctive yes okay yeah um and uh, it kind of the dragons all interact there and they become and there's three (laughs) there's three dragons that you see a lot that becomes best friends basically there's like maximus and lily and tamaria who are both they're all friends and they hang out together that's and, super uh, cute. Yeah. And Little uh, dragon pals. <laughs> there is like a, a portion where it's like if my if we are in danger, let's steal our riders and then run away. So they make a pack. <laughs> Man, so, I would want to see that. Oh, yeah, I, I want that book where they actually where the dragons just say, "No, this is this is unsafe. Why would we fight these the French dragons? It doesn't make any sense. Let's get out of here." All right, Peter, write that book. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading the list. <laughs> well, it might actually Peter. be a book because this season, <laughs> this series is nine books long. So, oh we'll my see. gosh, <laughs> are they all out already? Yes, yeah. I say already. When when was this published? Do we know? Like 2005. Oh wow, surely cranked them out. Yeah, well, they're about 400 pages long each. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading the second one right now, and then the uh, Tamara like steals Will at one point, and was like, "What the? I'm getting <laughs> stolen." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I just love. It's like uh, I know people. Don't, this is kind of controversial, or like people don't really like the series, but I love the Aragon series when I was a kid, and I love the interactions between Aragon and Sephira, and that that brought me back to when I was a kid. I was like, "Ah, this is so great." <laughs> So easily the best part of that series, yeah. Yeah. But in Aragon, isn't Safira she has some personality, but I'm guessing not as much as the dragon in this series? Uh Safira does uh, what I remember Safira has a lot of personality. She's very sassy. 
Okay, but she wouldn't ever like kidnap the kid, would she? Uh, I think she does at yeah. one point. Oh, jeez. Oh, goodness. Spoilers, <laughs> I guess. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I think she does. Um, she, I think she does kidnap Aragon. It's like, no, I think it's in the first books that she kidnaps Aragon because <clears throat> they're running away from the Razak. Like right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess I need to reread. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just love it because it's like it, it's the the interactions between the characters. Um, I f- I forced it onto one of my friends, and I was like, "You must read this. You love the series too. You love the series that I love. Here, read." <laughs> Obey. Yeah, um, that's how I get people to read books that I love. I'd be like, I just forced them. I have physical copies, so I was like, "Read this. It's good." <laughs> just like you like a book, and you just go buy like three more copies and just give them to people. Um, that's what happened to my first copy of the Lies of Locker and Amora. It became a floating copy between my friend group. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> this is the way of books. This yeah. is the way. Oh, yes, this is the way. I had to rebuy the first copy of Lies of Locker because it was got water damaged and it just became a floating copy. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the name of this book, uh, Rachel? His Majesty's Dragons by uh, Naomi Novik. Yeah. All right, nice. Let's so. put that in the to read column. I thought you read it already. I, you know, uh, I thought I had, and when I now, as I listen to you describe it, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's another sort of uh, dragon stories. I think it's like something like Dragon Histories that is a natural history of dragons. Yes, that, I think that is the one I've read, which takes place like in the same time period, but is more like uh, the study of dragons than like uh, them. Uh, so the book that I kind of want to read or anything. The book, the book that I kind of want to read for next month. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy that. It just was not. I mean, that if you if you are looking for uh, a lot of fighting and action, that book will not be producing those things for you. So, <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just. I was just like, oh, this seems cool. I'll put that. In. And then then we chose our theme, and I was like, this probably will work. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all. You know what? It's all loose at the end of the day. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever, man. You know. <laughs> We just gotta go with the flow. Since when do we ever know what we're doing for this podcast? Oh, I don't have a clue what's going on. There was this one moment like a month ago where I knew what I was doing, but then it ended. (laughs) Dude. Oh my god. Welcome to the 60s, guys. (laughs) Welcome to the 90s representation of the 60s as presented by the 2020s. Once upon a time in Hollywood, so I don't even know. I'm pretty sure that's what you just did. I have seen it. Peter does live in Washington, so I believe. What does that have to do with anything? I'm not seeing a correlation here. Legality of something. Oh, yeah. Also, I live in Illinois. We're legal now, and California and Colorado. It's, it's wiping, it's washing, it's, it's waving, it's the it's getting to the whole world, man. <laughs> It'll never reach Ohio and probably not Minnesota. If I'm well, maybe Minnesota. You for, Nick, you forget where I live. Yeah. That's true. I also forget where you live. The person that left first during the, the uh, Civil War. 
heathen. I'm trying to avoid yelling your hometown again. So. <laughs> uh, I live in South Carolina. People know that. Yeah. Um, who wants to? Who wants to go next? Anybody? Thanks it. for volunteering, Peter. I did literally volunteer. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say Nick, and then you volunteered. <laughs> again, what are we doing in this podcast again? <laughs> I don't even know, man. Oh god! Maybe the viewers could tell us because we don't know. What's a viewer? They're not viewers. They're listeners. <laughs> Doesn't it go on YouTube? What if you listen with your eyes? Oh. <laughs> But I think it's good about you that. Am I wrong? The whole thing. What You're if wrong. my hand was a goose? Oh man. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> we're recording at a normal time. Why are we all If your hand were a goose, then Scrooge would cook it on Christmas. Whoa, <laughs> what? Uh, removal of audio I've ever had to consider. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Peter, review a book, please. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this month, and by this month, I mean last week, I read uh, The Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemisin. Um, I... It's great. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise. I think I, I might end up reading a lot of acclaimed books instead of trying to bring to light uh, great books that fewer people have heard of, and that may be a flaw of mine. But uh, it's a Hugo winner. Um, it's the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy. Um, N.K. Jemison is a fantastic author, um, and she writes with a really unique voice in this series. I haven't read the third book yet. Actually, I since I finished this book, uh, The Obelisk Gate, yesterday morning i spent a stupid amount of time searching my house three times for the third book that i was sure was there and couldn't find so that i could start it um spoiler i found it yay (laughs) that's a good kind of spoiler I, i read the inheritance trilogy by her and really enjoyed it i uh i don't know that this is the only these are the only books no that's not right Wait, is the Inheritance Trilogy, it's not the one that starts with the 100,000 Kingdoms, is it? That is the Inheritance Trilogy. Okay, I, then I've read the 100,000 Kingdoms, but nothing that came after it. And that was also a great book. Yeah, uh, some yeah. there were some weird parts for me, but it, overall it was really great. It was a great book with some weird parts. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Mostly the sex yeah. stuff, the, the weird sex scenes. There is, I mean, I haven't read the rest of the trilogy, so maybe there's some weird stuff I'm missing. I think it was in the first book. It might be. I suspect that, I suspect there's weird sex stuff in the first book. It's been a while since I've read it. But that's um, my personal hang up. I don't like reading weird sex scenes in literature. What about normal only, sex scenes? Yeah, I was going to say, only normal well, sex scenes then? Well, it's just like, I, if I'm not expecting it, I'm like, what? I get shocked. Uh, oh, surprise <laughs> sex. <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah no surprise sex is really problematic it's okay i I thought katie had read a horrendous sex scene oh Oh it was really bad it was just what mm. was what 
What? 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 I will uh, type out a little snippet of it for you later. Must you though? Yes. Oh well then, if you also type the book, please, because I'm curious to what book it came from. (laughs) All right. Sorry, I was uh, reminiscing. It's not by a female author, so I won't. Oh yes. Well, that's not then. Anyways. Um, Continue about the Broken Earth Trilogy. That isn't the Inheritance Trilogy. <laughs> it is not. In fact, it is the Broken Earth Trilogy, not the Inheritance Trilogy. Um, so, the uh, it's it's great. It's about a, a very strange-seeming world that is, you know, it's kind of like ours, but, but very removed. Um, uh, there is a handful of people called Origins uh, uh, who can manipulate, I guess, kinetic energy uh, or more specifically like Earth Stone um, and, and to a degree temperature. And uh, mostly they either get hated and killed by people who don't have this power or collected by uh an authority uh, and and trained to use this power uh for the authority for the empire uh and they largely use it to to quell earthquakes and things because this is a world where the earth is very unstable um where uh Large earthquakes can happen regularly or, well, not regularly, that would be too reliable, um, but they can happen and, and kill entire societies and and where there are, uh, what's the word, massive catastrophes every couple centuries uh, that that threaten to wipe out all of humanity. And so... Uh, Every community has this this sort of set down in law method of how to survive one of these catastrophes that may block out the sun or uh, change the temperature catastrophically, catastrophically um, for a decade or so. Um, So they have. preserved food stored for for a decade or so and and plans in place for these these devastating events um and it's fascinating i mean the first book uh huh i don't it's like a whole world of doomsday preppers (laughs) yes that is a great way to put it. It's a whole world of doomsday preppers. Now I uh, feel like that's like that's a good thing, though, right? I mean, like, wouldn't we feel better if our society was like that? Maybe not, because then we'd just I mean, all be super paranoid about, oh, it's coming, it's coming. But like, at least we're prepared. I mean, isn't that what California is with the big one? Is it? Is California they are not ready? prepared? No one is prepared for the <laughs> for California to like drop into the ocean. If they were prepared, they wouldn't live there anymore. <laughs> I mean, who wants to live in California anyways with the hot, super high rent poison? Uh, uh, rent. No, I, I like the way you said it. Super high rent poison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's basically poison. But I mean, there's something to be said for like the the order that the society has in those books. Like everybody has a job. 
that your job is uh, inherently necessary. That if your job is not necessary, you're given a different job or you're exiled. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it sounded great up until the point where everybody has a job functions because everyone who can't serve a purpose is kicked out and effectively killed. Well, yeah, right? I mean, so I, I was going to ask, like, you, you mentioned that some of these people are used to like quell earthquakes but the other ones are exiled like why are they exiled well uh wait uh, i mean the i mean some of the, the people who have the power yeah why would they get uh, rid of some of them instead well of it's it's because uh it's because you tend if you're if you're one of these people if you are an origin you tend to uh use it in the same way that you'd use your muscles so reflexively um ah and dangerous they're yeah unless they are trained or maybe very weak i don't know if that comes up too much um uh it that yeah they can be very dangerous including um uh like the way that they harness energy in order to manipulate the ground uh usually involves taking heat from their surroundings and so they end up accidentally freezing people of course to death um and that's that's often the way that someone gets found out um because something scares them and they react in this reflexive way that they didn't know they could and somebody gets frozen uh or if, if people are lucky some object gets frozen and then everyone's scared of this person and either they kill them or uh for certain type of luck i suppose if they're lucky um someone uh belonging to the authority comes along and collects them and then takes them away to be trained and i say kind of lucky because the training is fairly cruel um but but we follow primarily uh one one character through the books and she's just a fascinating, complicated character, um, and we we get to live with her through all kinds of <sighs> devastating loss and uh, uh, dedicated uh, kind of almost obsession. And we're you know we get to learn a lot about the setting and the world and follow her, and it's it, it's great. I feel like yeah, I'm not describing first, first it adequately. Is, the, the first book is kind of like about the main character's life and her search for her daughter. And then uh, the second one has uh, the daughter's POV. So you kind of find out what she was up to during the time of the first book. You start yeah. to learn more about the sort of supernatural race that exists, uh, not just the origins, but the the sort of the, the real scary guys, I forget what they were like stone eaters or something. Yeah. Like that. These, these mysterious statue like folk called the stone eaters. And you, so you haven't read the third one. I've, I've read the whole series. No, no, I, I started it this morning or last night. One of those things. The same. Maybe the most satisfying conclusion to a series I've read in like the last five years. Uh, it is, is a really good. That's exciting. Uh, wrap up. So yeah, you can look, I forward, look to forward to that. Cause, cause endings are really hard and I, you, know, <laughs> you know, I've read a bunch of books, some of which have been very, very good, but then end uh yeah kind of like that like that noise i just made 
Um, uh, Neil Stevenson, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> um, I really they are notoriously hard. Yeah. I, th- I think the most satisfying ending I have had so far is Holy Sister. I really like that ending. Oh, I still haven't read that. No. I need to get to it. Uh, I posted a cute fan art. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called again? Um, the Book of the Ancestor Trilogy. Hmm. By Mark Lawrence. He's... I, mean, ah. I like his writing style. It, some people don't like it, but I like it. It's really silly. Um... And I read I read the first book in the Red Queen War, and I love Jalen and how much he's just a coward. And he's like, I admit that I am a coward, but this is how I be a coward. Yeah, those Let are me weird. Tell books. you about my cowardice. Well, and then it's not like I'm not actually I I am a coward, but there's also reasons. I might also have PTSD. Who knows? Mm, <laughs> sure. So Sorry. Peter, uh, just. Yeah. Before we wrap what? your review up, like uh, th- this series is um, uh, one that's won the Hugo. I think every every uh, entry into the series has won a Hugo. Yeah, I think it, I, I, if I remember correctly, each book won the Hugo Award in subsequent years. And it's one of the first one of the only times that's happened. Uh, um, it's, she's one of four authors, I believe. OK. Yeah. Um, uh, but so. Uh, it's also sort of famous for um, playing around with uh, the point of view and uh, specifically like the the nature of the narrator where sometimes uh, like in the first book, there's famously a second person uh, section. And I mm-hmm. forget yeah, there are some interludes, a- I think, in the in the uh, not entirely sure. It's been a while since I read the first book. Um in fact, the first book was so intense, like I had the second one on hand, but the first one was so intense and enjoyably so that I just put it down. I said, OK, well, I finished the first one. I could pick up the second, but I'm going to wait a while and let my let let this all kind of calm down in my brain. Um, and I needed that. Um, but at the same time, that means that now talking about it now, I don't have quite the the clear memory of it. I think there were interludes in the first book where maybe we got uh some second person uh address or uh, well in the first book there are three point of views there's uh and it's kind of a spoiler to talk about who those point of views are but there's basically two first person point of views and then a second person okay and And i I think one of the first person is in present tense and and the other first person is in past tense yeah if i remember correctly uh second uh second tense no second person is notoriously yeah, second person is notoriously hard to write, get right because I've read a few and I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't oh, like it, this. And and it is, and uh, and that's I guess another mark in favor of 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 Jemison's skill at the craft because this book, at least the Obelisk Gate, is written primarily in second person. The narrator is basically telling the story to the main character. Um, with occasional interjections of what the narrator is thinking or feeling um, and uh, some alternate chapters where it's third person talking about uh, another important character. Mm-hmm. That's ambitious. It's, it's ambitious and it's really well done. And it seems to be something I'm reading more of lately because I think, what, one, two episodes ago, I, I read The Raven Tower uh, mm-hmm. by Anne Leckie, which was also primarily in uh, second slash first person. Yeah, um, I think 
I think that's yeah. my main hang up into getting into the series because I um, second person screws with my head a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's it can be it can be harder to read. It's definitely, at least from my experience, harder to write. Um, and I, I think it can be easy to make a misstep in that regard. But Jemison does it really well here. Yeah. Would it be all what right I'm saying if I... is you're wrong and pick it up and read it. Sorry, what, Nick? <laughs> Would it be all right if I take us on a small tangent? Related Never. To that? We don't need to do that, that here. <laughs> What's a tangent? What's a well, secret? Do, do you want the mathematical <laughs> term? Or, um, so I, I recently was watching a, a YouTube video, which you can probably easily find about um, second... Um, Person? Second, yeah, second person, but in video games. And they were saying, like, is there a video game that exists that is second person? And uh, it was sort of like a video game essay. Like a video essay. And the guy oh. points to um, an older game that you guys probably have heard of called Driver. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's the one a, where you leap from car to car. Yeah. That's Driver San Francisco. I, oh. Yeah, I don't remember. I, it was probably that one, but... Um, yeah, you can basically take like, over other people's minds and take over their vehicle. Yeah. And um, he specifically refers to this scene where um, you literally like you end up playing as the person who is chasing you because you took over their mind. <laughs> so you're driving the vehicle. But it's actually set up so that whatever direction you drive the car in front of you which is your actual body it drives in the same direction that you're driving so you're always chasing them so even though you're controlling the car from the front your perspective is in the back or something it's it's very trippy Hmm. and uh it's 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 always just sort of an ambitious thing to do i think it sort of falls into that uncanny valley where it's like hard for the viewer to process well, in it's way. interesting to question in video games in particular whether you can do a second person, a true second person perspective, because in a sense, you're you are there. I am I am I exist in a first person world in my head and I am looking at a screen that is presenting to me either a first person or a third person perspective and a second person means addressing me particular, you know, in specific or directly, but the game is already doing that addressing me specifically with a first or third person perspective. I don't even know. It gets very meta. (laughs) What a second person perspective would look like in that regard. I'm not sure it makes sense. If you have the time, just go on YouTube and type in um, video game is or like, is there a second perspective video game? Uh, can you give video game? Do you know the uh, creator to give them a shout out? I see a 12 million view video from four yeah, months it's the ago. One by, yeah, it's the one. This is what a second person video game would look like by Nick Robinson. Nick Robinson. Okay. 12 million oh. views. <laughs> this came it came out in October of last year. And it has 12 million views. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you've ever seen a uh, Sophia Nygaard video. I I have not. I don't even know what that is. Sophia Nygaard's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, check that out. It's really, really interesting. Honestly, it's I I like watching these sort of like video essays that people do like a thesis almost. It's pretty 
interesting. So sorry for that tangent. No, no, it's interesting. It's okay. Uh, Peter, are you uh, done with your, are you done with your book? Or... What book? I don't know. What book did you read? <laughs> I read The Obelisk Gate, the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison. Why? What did you read? What did you hear? Who told you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think you're supposed to do it for the podcast that we're recording right now. Jeez, first he was a stoned out hippie and now he's paranoid. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you have food nearby, Peter? Do, do I? I have, I have some chocolate. Is that, why, why was that important? I don't know. You, may, you might be getting hungry later. Oh, that's, <laughs> is it dinner time? I don't know. I think it's a little early for you for dinner. It is. I should have breakfast, though. That would be nice. Dan, what's, what did you read? Uh, I read a book that uh, was sold to me uh, on the premise of it being about lesbian necromancers in space. And that was 100% accurate. Right the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is uh, uh, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Uh, and was that the one that won f- the Goodreads thing? I believe it did. Okay. Oh, did it, oh like the 2019 uh, Goodreads Awards? Yeah, I think it won. That's cool. It deserves to win. It's an amazing book. I loved it a lot. Uh, and it's uh, like uh, very. Um, I don't know how to describe this. Do you ever see, you ever see the movie Train Spotting? You guys, it's an old nope. movie. Nope. I don't know. If nope. This book reads <laughs> a lot like. Go watch it. It's a great movie about heroin addiction, but uh, it's a uh, it's got a, a voice to it. You know, like a a a, a, a verb almost attached to it. That's like. Um, just like fast paced and really smart. And uh, I think Gideon the Ninth kind of follows that up a lot. It's because uh, it's it, it's it's voice. The narrator who is Gideon, uh, uh, the titular Gideon, uh, she doesn't really line up with the sort of nature of the universe that she exists in. So, you know, the the setting is the like mankind is populated part of the galaxy and uh People all, all live under this, the despotic rule of an immortal necromancer uh, uh, who is like the emperor of, of humanity. And the world is kind of divided up into these nine houses that control all the various planets. Uh, so uh, uh, on the ninth of these houses is uh, a kind of house that's in decline. And it's this... Uh, you know, the leader of each house is also a necromancer. So there's sort of undeath uh, is just sort of like a natural part of all these people's existence. And so the setting is just sort of like naturally dark and, and moody and filled with zombies and walking skeletons and, uh, you know, a very goth sort of aesthetic. And Gideon exists as this sort of sarcastic, uh, youthful energetic uh counter sort of to that setting and um uh the author like does a really good job of like bringing that out mostly through the use of uh more like current speech so i think like if you go in and and read some of the descriptions of the book you may be put off a little bit by the sort of modern day speech that is used a lot by by gideon but i think it's mostly just to set her apart from 
the vast majority of the of the setting and and how how much of a different person Gideon is that like she really shouldn't exist in the the settings right and nobody really likes her in her home she is this sort of pariah like character because she's uh, an an adopted member of the house of the ninth um and is has kind of always been the the plaything of uh Nona Jesuit who is the sort of young reverend daughter of the ninth house uh and she's constantly trying to escape uh trying to get off world and and join the military um but uh, uh you know she never she never succeeds uh the 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 daughter of the ninth house is always out uh to to shut her down and keep her tied up uh but uh, the the plot goes on where uh you know the, these these two women um Gideon and Nonagesimus are kind of pushed together because the emperor has declared that uh he needs new immortal lieutenants to join him uh in whatever he's about and so he gathers representatives from all the houses. So every necromancer of the house needs a uh, a cavalier to be sort of like their assistant, their protector, their bodyguard. And for uh, reasons, uh, the reverend daughter decides that Gideon has to be this cavalier for her, that the people she has with her are too old and useless uh and so she needs Gideon to kind of step up and become this cavalier and so they make a bargain and they go off to the to this house the first house uh owned by the emperor and the majority of the plot of the novel is uh these two sort of trying to figure out the mysteries of the house and interact with the other uh the other houses uh and the other necromancers and their cavaliers um, and ultimately, like, there's kind of a, a contest in the house between all the different houses to see who's going to get picked to become like an immortal uh, necromancer. And it's like, I feel like when I use words like necromancy and and um, describe this this sort of like rotting gothic setting, um, like, I don't think I would you probably enjoy that very much, but Gideon is like such a joy to read. Like the, her perspective is just so friendly and 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 interesting and smart. And she's this very cutting wit. And um, I mean, out of our group, I feel like uh, Gideon is very Katie like. No, I mean, Gideon doesn't take shit from anybody. She loves to use swear words when necessary. I feel like I'm describing Katie very well. Does she spy on everyone? She's she's she loves drama, you know. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This book is about me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You never knew you were a necromancer in space. Well, you were previously. What were you in your one? I, I was the doctor lady. Who are you? Oh yeah, I was the um the mother, the mother character. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, I may have sounded sarcastic when I said sign me up. I actually have this book on Audible waiting for me. So yeah, it's really good. I I would really like uh, plus one the the audio because I I listened to this book and the reader. This one's really good. She does a great job of kind of capturing Gideon and and uh, Nona Jessimus. 
Yeah. Um, I was, I read the back because it's in my library. I was a little like, I didn't like the description because I was like, ah, this doesn't sound like me. But now it sounds interesting. <laughs> I didn't. Go ahead. Anytime you describe like a, a world full of necromancers, I always have a really hard time like understanding that, you know? It's like that would be such a drastic change to the world. It's like hard to wrap your head around how that would work. Uh, I, think I, I, think she, I think she gets away with it by um, removing a lot of uh, sort of like there's not a lot of like background characters like um, almost everyone involved is primary to the plot. And so the world feels a little empty. You know, like like it's had all the life sort of like drained out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and and when the necromancers like use their abilities, the the constraint is that they need, uh, you know, life force from somewhere to animate a skeleton or or uh, power up a zombie or something like that. So uh, it, it does. It, it I mean, it, I think you're right. Like it does drastically change things, and um, yeah, I think it's reflected really well. It's just it's just like to me, I agree with you, Nick, that like, I don't know that that sounds appealing. Uh, yeah. But I think like the narrator, Gideon, again, kind of saves us from it being sort of drab and just dirty. And I think this is the second Necrodancer book we had read for the podcast. Uh, because I read Sabriel, which is has Necromancer. Uh, yeah. Oh, a yeah. Lot of death in Sabriel. Death magic. <laughs> And the old kingdom is very much what you feel, uh, what um, you describe. It's very dark and drab, but that's yeah. also, yeah. I guess no, that I agree also, with you. I guess because that's also because the charter is breaking, which uh, is like the charter. I think gives life or like protects from the dead. The dead. Yeah, I think it has a lot of the same feel of that of like the old kingdom where it's kind of in decline and everything's kind of a little bit rotted and yeah. kind of falling uh, apart. Well, uh, we're getting a new old kingdom book, but this one's a prequel. Um, so the not quite as old kingdom. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it follows Sabriel's dad. I think is the main character. The somewhat younger kingdom. Are you going to do it for the podcast, Rachel? No. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't do more. I don't do the same book from the same series. Like the, the same. I'll switch. I'll do. I, uh, I won't just keep doing the like uh, oh, I did book one. Now I got to do book two. Now I got to do book three. You're, you're running out of Garth Nick, so you're going to have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> what should I read then? Garth nope, Nix. Else. Gotta, Garth Nix. You got to stick to it. Yep. Yeah. I got to finish um, Niobe Novik's books. There's like nine of them. <laughs> Maybe one month we should all recommend something to each other. Ooh. Something th like out of our yeah. comfort zones. You know? Well, I think a good idea is like recommend three books and then uh, we pick one. Like we pick a name out of the hat and that person. We pick a name out of the hat. That person recommends three books for that person, uh, for the other person. And that per uh, the other person picks one of the books they want to read from the I'm three. guessing this won't be a physical hat. <laughs> yes, it won't be a physical hat. <laughs> I have hats. I do too. Most of them are for Chargers. For what? The the NFL 
San Diego. Oh. Oh. Not San Diego. Los Angeles Chargers. Sorry. I heard Chargers and I thought somehow you were like wiring up your phone through your hat. I thought. I also saw <laughs> Chargers. I didn't mean to confuse you guys. I'm sorry. Well, we are easily confused. I don't think we do sports. <laughs> I did I a sport do once. Sports. <laughs> I, I played tennis. Uh, I used to do basketball. <laughs> Peter, I'm imagining that you just have really not. That I have no, what now? Knobbly that you have knees. really knobby knees. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> That's very rude. It's okay. I picture Nick is a hobbit. <laughs> no, he's a dwarf. His family is hobbits. Yeah. And then Dan is the dwarf. Taller. He has the beard. I have a beard oh, too. That's yeah, true. but Dan has the beard. Have you that's seen right, Dan's he does have beard? A much more majestic beard. beard. Okay, yeah. I don't know I've had how more to time to grow it. So well, Nikki can be like Feely or Keely. They have small beards. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know how tall Dan is. So can he be a dwarf? No, he's too tall. He probably oh, is shoot. too tall. I would imagine. He didn't join us in our discussion of heights. <laughs> I'm a big dwarf. Embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the biggest of dwarves. I'm just happy not to be the shortest. Are you the tallest midget or the shortest tall man? Both. I'm both of those things. I have a, my family life is very complicated. The, the fattest <laughs> thin man and the thinnest fat man. Yeah. I'm just happy not to be the shortest. Yeah. Nick takes that honor. We can keep talking about how short I am or we can move on. <laughs> oh, Nick, then you can talk about your book. I'm good talking Dan. about how short Nick is. <laughs> After uh, Dan says what book he read again, yeah. Or... Uh, yeah. So I read uh, *Gideon the Ninth* by Tamson Muir. Cool. Fantastic. Sorry, Tamson Muir. 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 Anyway. Zur. All righty. So, um, yeah, I read uh, a little book called *The Name of All Things* by Jen Lyons. It is a sequel to *The Ruin of Kings*. Uh, both are fairly new. Um, name of all things, like just came out, I think. Um, so I, I'm not going to dive too deep into the plot as much because a spoilers, uh, and also because I actually just don't even think it's necessarily the most interesting takeaway that I got from reading this. Um, but she does a very interesting thing in both of these books where she. Um, basically the characters in the books are reading you the story or telling you the story as you go. So at the beginning of every chapter, there's sort of like a brief present day. They're sitting in a room together talking and then they go, all right. And now this person begins to read and then they tell you what happened, you know? Huh? So basically I would say the first, uh, like three quarters of the book is, these people telling the story of what has happened. And then uh, and the second book takes place pretty much in the same timeline that the first book takes place. It just focuses on a different character this time. Actually, the character that this book focuses on is telling her story to the main character from the first book. So is it um, similar to um, to how Peter's book was with the the weird point of views? Um, a little. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as ambitious, I don't think, necessarily. It is, you know, it, it's done very well, but I don't think it. It, it sounds like a more typical narrative uh, style with a framing device. Yeah. So so the okay. first the first book, 
uh, it's actually a guy talking to a mimic who she has like basically sucked up all of his memories. So, and they're trapped in a prison cell together. Oh, this sounds familiar. I think I I told you about this before. I might've read this, uh, the ruin of Kings. It's possible. Um, is that so, the one where the guy had like a bit of his soul taken out? So yep. he was the okay. I did read that. Yep. So um, in that one, he's telling his story during uh, well, the the two perspectives that we're going back and forth between are a different timeline. So he's telling the story of when he was older, and she's recounting his story of when he was younger. Yeah. Uh, yeah this one doesn't do that it it actually tells the same same timeline but from two different perspectives of two different characters Hmm. uh so there's a girl named uh janelle danarak in quotes theranon she's sort of the main focus of this and she has a uh, friend who is a, a priest who they go back and forth between telling the story from their perspectives and they were pretty much together the whole time so this one's a little different than the first book in that sense. Um, but it works pretty well. And then the last like five chapters of the book, I don't even want to call it the last third because it's just so quick. Uh, just like the first book tends to be focused around this sort of big cataclysmic event. And they're no longer telling a story. It's actually this is happening now live. So the first book did that and this one did that as well. I imagine the third and fourth books are going to do that. So they, they caught up with the present eventually. Yeah. So it's basically it's like the whole book is really takes place in a very short period of time, but they spend all this time going through the backstory and they keep. But there are going to be like four or five heroes who save everything. And so now we've been introduced to two characters. So I imagine the third book is going to be the next hero explaining what their backstory was in the same timeline as these two. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's oh. how I imagine it's going to go. So it's kind of like Into the Spider-Verse where it's like, it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, uh, uh, I've been Spider-Man for so long. This is my guess, their short intro, but in, expanded into book form. Yeah, almost. In some ways, it's also like Stormlight Archive where each one is really, you know, there are the yeah. events going on, but then they, there's a focus on the backstory of one of those characters. Yeah, like the first chapter of Stormlight Archive is telling the, the murder of King Galavar from different uh, persons. Well, I was actually thinking how the first book is focused on Kaladin, the second one's Shallon, and the third one's Dalinar. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's sort of the thing. But the most, um, the most interesting thing I, I think about this book to me that I really took away was um, they introduce a new sort of uh, subculture within the kingdom called the Joratees. Which uh, it's the it's the uh, I don't think it's a kingdom. It's uh, a region called Jorat. So the Joratees people are a uh, sort of horse culture. They love their horses and they treat their horses like people or better than people in some cases. Um, and there's also a new type of creature that is sort of like a horse, but it's actually called a fireblood. And they're just as intelligent as people. They can talk um, and think. But they speak a language that most of the other people in the kingdom of Kor can't understand because it's just like it's sort of like a Jorat thing. And yet you really didn't want to do horses for our next. (laughs) I mean, we can do horses. Well, that's why I was complaining. I was like, well, I would have to do this book that I was planning on doing for this month. Well, you can Um, pick a different book with horses. (laughs) That's not even the interesting thing. The um, interesting thing is how this culture views gender. Um, 
so they sort of you know they they view people not in terms of uh, male or female but in terms of stallion or mare and so, so basically I'm, male or female well, no, <laughs> no that's the thing so Thank janelle janelle her uh, biological sex is female but she's a stallion and okay. this is a big topic throughout the book is only stallions tend to be the leaders. It's a stallion is someone who it has to do with your social role. So stallions tend to be like leaders. They go to battle. Um, they participate in like bouts on horseback and stuff. Whereas mares tend to be the ones who, uh, you know, would like raise children or they might be healers or other things that would we would typically consider a female. Right. Or or do you, would you like consider them like like the alphas? Sort of like but, how people are so like, no, because it's not they don't look down on mares. It's to, okay. to, to admit no, that but it, it sounds like there's a distinction between like kind of aggressive outward energy and uh, uh, extroverts. More, and it's really more about leaders and followers in many ways. They talk about mm-hmm. um, this this thing called fadage, where it's like fealty, essentially. It's like you owe your fadage to somebody because you respect them and you choose to follow them. So even though you're a stallion, you're <laughs> you're you're a follower of a different stallion because of respect. Oh, defeated yeah. you in battle and that type of thing. So um, it kind of reminds it, me of the Cayman from Codex Lyria. I, I didn't read that, but I don't um, I don't remember. Well, it's just like they use enemies. Oh, the, the like, Canaan, right. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like uh, they they only follow the leader until they think it's not uh, they don't think the leader is capable. That's, that's, that's a very, a very, you know, like pack wolf yeah. pack sort of uh, dramatized mentality. It's yeah. so, like yeah. this is like, you know, like if somebody says they're a mayor, even if they're a man, it's not looked down on. It's just, OK, that's your role in society in a way. Okay. And yeah, it's very. Uh, accepted and then but the, when they specifically talk about sexuality it becomes a different question so then they would ask you do you run with stallions or do you run with mares and again that question uh when, when they ask it that way they are talking about biological sex they're saying you know do you sleep with men or women essentially biologically speaking and then uh huh well, which one is assigned to males and which one to females then? So when it comes to biological sex, it is stallions are males and females are mares. But that has nothing to do with your role in society. And a um, biological female like Janelle, who is a, um, who is a stallion, stallion in society, she would sexually still run with stallions. Because, because she has sex with heterosexual. men? Okay. Yeah. Uh, does, she use the pronoun? A, does she use the pronoun of she? Yes. Okay. But it's it's again it's 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 a it's very sort of interesting. It it's it's kind of weird, but it's interesting. It is interesting. I'm not entirely sure how to feel about it. Like part of me wants to feel like that's okay. This sounds uh super. It sounds sounds reasonably progressive and and kind of like separating out you know, assignment at birth and gender uh, expression and societal role. And on the other hand, it also feels almost like it reinforces some of that. And I'm not sure I would need to digest it more before I really made some assertions, especially ones that are being recorded. 
Well, yeah. so there, there is um, like an interesting case of a guy who's a stallion, but he runs with stallions. And so he's like a gay man, but he's still like respected as like a leader figure and a masculine person. Um, but the thing he- that I'm having issues with is that then they're assigning stallions to males when they're, you know, do you run with stallions? But then it it's kind of almost reinforcing, to me at least, that stallions the leaders male no so that's they make a very clear very strong distinction between the two types of conversations you're having you know what i mean i'm with you katie though i like i I understand yeah to to the reader to the reader it seems like it's doing that how how it's a very different conversation it's it's not the same thing you know I think the book does it more justice than I can in the short It's one of the reasons I'm reluctant to to make a lot of assertions, but it's yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of wobbling back and forth about how to take that. Well, it's still uh, enforcing a stereotype on people. Mm. <laughs> Well, it's not all talking once. No, no, yeah. I, I, it's not that I want to ignore your statement. I'm just like I said. I'm like I'm still busy yeah, digesting. Yeah. I, I would have to read it before yeah. making, making a statement. I will add it to my ever-growing pile of books. I need to read. I think I think that she handles the issue very well. Okay, okay. I okay. really since, do. Since you're the one who's read it, I will take that. Um, and it, like another thing, like you know, it's. They they might ask like, do you run with stallions or mares? And you might say, I don't run at all. And oh, okay, if you say something cool. like that. People in Jorty's culture will respect you, and they won't they won't try to make any moves or anything like that. They'll say, oh, okay, that's t- that's fine. Or you what say, if I you run just with both? Or what whatever. if you just don't run because you're too fat? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's oh, and they they actually they actually also have a very interesting um thing built into their culture where some people. Um, at a certain point, I, they didn't touch on it too, too much, really, because it wasn't part of the plot. It was just sort of, I guess, flavor about the world. But um, some people can, through magic, essentially change their biological sex. Um, and a lot of people do it. So there is actually one character in the book who we find was um, born a male, but they've been a female throughout the entire uh, book that you know that we see them but I don't well, know, now, just, out of curiosity were they a, a stallion or a mare in society always uh well so that is a tough question to answer because they're old now okay. and so old people sort of feel like almost like a a completely separate role at that point uh but i know that they always ran with mares so they were always attracted to females, if that biological females, if that helps. And they still are. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't think I think they were a stallion because they tr- they trained in sword fighting. Huh. Okay. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they actually answer that question. As clearly as I would like. But yeah, it's it's just it's it's very interesting. And I think it's you know, it's it's not necessarily like driving the plot or anything but it was the thing that it 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 was a different way of thinking and a different way of approaching the topic that i just found fascinating uh you know so 
it stood out to me more than the actual plot of the book did in a way because it was just so different from hmm. anything I've read before. Um, but yeah, I recommend reading it. And if you know, if you guys do read it and you find some other issues with it, we can. I'd love to chat more about it. Honestly, this is not what a topic did you read I've again? delved into so, as much. So, uh, it is called "The Name of All Things" by Jen Lyons, sequel to "The Ruin of Kings." And the third one is. I don't think the third one's out yet. The Memory of Souls. It's coming out October twenty fifth of this year. <laughs> How is she publishing these books so quickly? Uh, they're She's... probably pre probably pre written already. Holy crap! Though she's moving. That's like a thing they do now. Is they write the whole series? Yeah. yeah they don't release the first one until they're very close to finishing the third one, and so they can kind of like boom, 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 hit the hit them all at once. Is that a publisher thing or an author thing? That is a publisher thing because uh, they are trying to head off those people who refuse to read a series before it's finished. So they're trying oh, okay. to give like guarantees to people that like. Hey, we're definitely going to finish this series. Here are the release dates, you know, so for, the, like for every book. They release series. one, they announce the next one. Probably, yeah. Uh, or at I least put the Goodreads entries up, that kind of thing. Mm, okay. I mean, it probably keeps they, the momentum. They've started, they've started doing it in the self-publishing uh, world a lot, too, where people are, you know, sort of saving up their, their self-published books into complete series before they release them for that same so, reason. So the Netflix of publishing <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> oh i think it's good for audience building you know i think it has the same problem as netflix which is you know people are not going to talk about the first book if they can get all the way to the third book and then you hope they talk about the series uh you know but it also brings the problem of disappointing endings to a, like a front because people get to it and they will talk about it um, faster. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a risk. Publishing's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Not at all. I don't Let's know. Start how a publish. publishing company. <laughs> no. <does> publishing work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. All right, Katie. Send us home. Me. Um, all right. Bye, everybody. Go home. What? Uh -oh. Good night. What? Time for dinner. Nope. <laughs> Can't get out of it. No. I think okay. we have something else to record today. <laughs> like my review? <laughs> I mean, yes. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. You, Katie. Take um, it to us. Bring us there. Tell us what you've done. All right. So I read for this month The Vine Witch by Luann G. Smith. Um, it, I don't know, it's, so if you read the, <laughs> if you read the blurb, it'll be all like, ooh, revenge, magic, blah. But if you read the book, there's a lot of romance. Mm. So, and, <laughs> I mean, so if you read, you read the book and if you want like a French romance with a sexy city lawyer turned vineyard. With just a bit of magic and a, a big secret and lots of wine descriptions, then this book is for you. Uh, but for me, it it was just kind of a pretty basic plot. Um, was it like? So, was it kind of like uh, a, a detective or like um, what is what is this author? <sighs> they did um, Murder on the Orange Express. Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. It, 
Yeah. Is it kind of like Agatha Christie style with magic? I've never read Agatha Christie. It doesn't, She's it the best. Sound like uh, a, oh, I'll a add book it to the list. that has the level of intricacy uh, that a mystery requires. Okay. Yeah. It sounded kind of straightforward. Is that right, Katie? Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward mystery. Like, um, so it starts off with Elena, the main character. She's a vine witch, which is a which is a witch. Oh man! Who, oh no! Who makes wine? Like they make it taste better by, you know, using their magic to stave off diseases and whatever else could afflict the crop. That sounds like a very specific magic set. It really is. Are there other witches? Are there like orchard witches? I'm not sure about orchards, but there are um, beer hazas. <laughs> hazas. Huh. Which you know, beer witches. Yeah, I guess. There's one who comes from the Swiss Alps. Beer. And she. Yeah. Anyway, so um, it starts off with Elena being transformed back into a human she starts off as a toad as one does why because she was cursed In seven years res, ago baby. she was yeah okay. it, it just starts you off that way and it was like really confusing and kind of gross because it like describes the transformation and that she has to eat her uh eat her toad skin to retain her human memories or something. It was just gross and a, I think a terrible beginning. Did it serve the plot whatsoever? Well, no. if she hadn't retained her memories, it would have been really hard to have a story. I mean, yeah, you just, but she, she and everyone knows to, you have to eat your toad skin. But can you just <laughs> cut the beginning out and then start from when it, she's not a toad and it makes perfect sense? Does it kind like, of. Does it, it serve later is it like foreshadowing for something else well so she is like oh no i finally broke this seven year long curse and and then she's like well i bet it was my ex-fiance who cursed me and so i'm gonna take revenge on him and the way and the blah and the witch that he got to curse me so she makes her way back to you know the the vineyard that she grew up on and finds out that the her ex fiance is married to the beer haza, beer beer haza, hexa, beer hexa. hexa. Yes, that's the one. Oh, sorry. I I listened to the audio book, and unlike Rachel, I need to see the words. That's <laughs> I, okay. I speak German. You thank you, thank I, you for that. I watched the one anime that talked about the last witch. That's named in German. <laughs> I was out of the last wish. <laughs> you left the hexa? Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, yes, but I also need to see the words, Katie. Do you think I can spell things? <laughs> I edit the reviews. She can't spell things. <laughs> if you just check in my Twitter, I can't spell. I spelled good God. Oh, goodness. Oh, God. I did just like that tweet a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice until like, it's like Peter liked my tweet. I was like, oh. Got the it. Spelling errors go. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good uh, one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so mm. the story goes from a revenge to a romance to a murder mystery. Um. So some of the twists are super predictable, and and the timing that the background information is revealed is 
kind of wonky. Because, like, I I didn't really care about Elena until, like, almost the very end. It sounds like you should care about your main character. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was... So, it was... Yeah? It was meh. Like, it was, you know, a nice little story. It was predictable and largely forgettable, unfortunately. So, a meh book. So a meh. So three mehs out of <laughs> five. Yes, this, five, yeah. this is my fir- my my third meh book, I believe. Katie, you gotta pick better books. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, I I admit I I read uh, the Obelisk Gate, which also, as I think about it more, I think I just kind of reviewed really poorly here on the podcast. I felt like I was. Blah. But regardless, I I read it in the last week because the book that I had ready, uh, I, I didn't, I, it was kind of meh and I didn't want to, I w- would rather say really nice things about a book. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> Katie, we established your meme. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, one of my problems is that I'm very easily uh like impressed and so i can read a bad book <laughs> and just be like yeah i had a great time like i don't yeah i'm very That's easily I am with movies yeah, yeah i watch so I'm many like crappy movies, movies now <laughs> oh i watch a bunch of crappy movies but i know their shit and then, <laughs> and then I talk be- about because it. of all this podcasting i've done i've actually seen more bad movies than i've seen good movies at this point oh no well, i watch a yet. bad movie like every week Maybe you should start a good movie podcast. Well, it's funny because that entire podcast spun up from my friends trying to do a weekly movie night with me so I would start watching good movies. (laughs) (laughs) So in other words, they screwed up. Yeah, it devolved. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah, I'm very easily entertained. If if it has good, like, characters, I'm like, yay. I don't know. I'm uh, as long as the pros aren't horrible, horrible that I can tell it's bad pros, then I don't really care. <laughs> mm. I feel kind of the same way. Yeah. Good characters can save a book for sure. Well, I'm glad that we have at least two critical people here to like keep us at bay. Wait, who are they? It's it's probably you and Katie. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. High five, Katie. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I have no High problem. Five birthday yeah, buddies. I have no problem talking about a book I didn't like. Uh, That's true. I have a hard time finding a book I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, uh, I will tell you things if books do objectively bad. Subjectively, I'm like, this is my opinion. I didn't like this. Yeah, like there are a lot of books that I've read even for this podcast or not for this podcast that um, I, I, I know they're bad. I know that they're flawed, but I just keep listening. Or keep reading. Oh, I'm like Spellmonger or whatever? Yeah, that one's like very bad, but like I'm on book four. Why? <laughs> what is this? It's a bad series. It's not good. Uh, let's, not, let's, not, let's not talk about it on the podcast. We'll talk yeah. about it later. Don't, read, don't, don't listen to you it. You want to accidentally send someone to go read that series. It's yeah. not good, but, uh, but I'm also just a completionist, and I'm like, well, I've started. Oh, I am that way, too. Like, I, I put down the third book of the Dinosaur Lords trilogy, and 
I finally had more time to. So months later, I finally picked it back up and I'm like a third of the way through from when I stopped. I just picked it right back up from where I was. I have to finish it. <laughs> it's <laughs> down, frustrating. I, I broke myself of that. Yeah. One day. I don't I don't I buy books it. unless I know I will love. Them. Ooh, I love buying books. I just bought a whole series from an author <laughs> I've never heard of because they were all at uh, Savers. So <laughs> shout out to Catherine Kurtz, who wrote the Dereni De novels. Never heard of that. Me neither, but I have all of them. I look forward to hearing about them one day, Katie. Oh, yes. I'm going to I'm going to read them for this. Oh. Anyway, Katie, what did you read so we can wrap up? Yeah, I read um, The Vine Witch by Luann G. Smith. And it was oh, meh. Yeah. And it was meh for me. But some people might like, you know, a lot of French words. It might be a French popcorn novel. I like popcorn. I like novels. French popcorn does not sound good. Anyways, <laughs> that's our podcast. That, this is our podcast. I've been Rachel. You have been Rachel. But yes. No longer. Yeah, I'm the lovely Rachel now. Oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dan or Nick. Who said that? It was, it was Nick. Thanks, Nick or Dan. Don't rub that on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, lovely fun. Dan. Yeah, so, uh, Rachel, what's our topic next month? Uh, animal companions. Ooh! Yay! Yeah. I don't have notes written, even though I haven't picked a book yet. I already know like things I want to talk about. There's I have a, yeah one book in mind. There's a trilogy I've read like three times that I might just. <laughs> wow. God damn it, Peter. It must be pretty dang good to read it three times. It's it's special. I kind of want to um, find something super sad, like Old Yeller. The fantasy oh, Old Yeller. No. I if I want to write the fantasy Old Yeller. <laughs> All right. Add it to the list. Okay. One more thing Katie tells me to write. Well, Katie gives us writing goals that we have to do. <laughs> Yep. Not very good Does at doing no, mainly because you give us to them at like noon and I'm like, I'm already halfway done with the day. Well, it's 11 o'clock for me, okay? <laughs> it's well, only so an hour. You're taking away my excuses. It's nine in the morning when I get them. <laughs> my excuse is I'm at school doing actual work. How oh. All right. All right. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So we will see you uh, again in April. So, uh, don't we need to don't we need to pop. Yeah, I'm doing all that. Go ahead. That's what we're doing right now. Okay, cool. That's what we're doing. We need to streamline this process. Yeah, you can find this podcast and more like it on too many thoughts media.com. And uh, where can we find all you guys? Someone I'm I'm Katie. Um, you can find me on Twitter at shimmybook. Oh yeah. Woo. Uh, I am Rachel. You can find me at uh, Twitter or Instagram at at Argent Rabe. Uh, you can find me on most stuff at Tacky Slacks. Uh, you can find me uh, at Sinister Infant on Twitter or at DanielEvinson.com or at Nostalgia Plus, where you can hear us talk about the 1994 <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon show Gargoyle. And I'm Peter Schaefer. You can find me at Shoeless Pete on Twitter. You can read things that I write at pashafer.com or you can follow my uh, game design at shoelesspetegames.com 
uh, remember, send us uh, emails if you have any things you like or you want to suggest books or if you want to send us photos of your bookshelves. Bookshelves! Uh, particularly, Katie will take those photos of bookshelves into a dark room and uh, have some private time with it. I'll hang them on my wall and then just stroke them tenderly. <laughs> like Gollum, my precious. My precious. Um, you can send that to too many thoughts media at gmail.com. Uh, is that right? Is that everything? That's correct. Um, okay. We love, so, yeah. We love, we love to hear from you guys and tell us what we're doing right and wrong. We need criticism. <laughs> Right, because Katie and Peter can't provide all the criticism. So uh, until next time, uh, keep reading. <laughs>